at the end of the day, data is the future of almost every business. Just having data, consumer data, data on pricing in this. So it's it's reflecting on how we're pricing things, how our business operates, how we're using our money, how we're reinvesting in our business. It affects everything just like most businesses out there. And that's how we got to start looking at it. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey everyone, this is episode 106 of the Real Estate Investing Podcast discussing using data to grow your land business. I'm your host, Dan Rapke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Before we get into the show, let's go over a featured member question from our Discord community. Today's question is from Tyler. I'm just getting started on land and I have a goal to be able to get out of my day job in the next 12 months. Would you suggest investing in the CRM you guys have now or waiting till I get some deals? Really cool goal, Tyler. Um, I definitely think that is a reachable goal. We have people come to us all the time saying six months want to get out of their job. And there's different things you have to do to get out of your job in six months versus 12 months. 12 months is a little more patient. It's still uh, very realistic. You got a lot of work ahead, ahead of you without a doubt. For me personally, like, I don't know. I think there's a huge value, Dan. I'm interested to hear your opinion in getting those systems, getting all of those lined up as best as possible to start. And then as you kind of change, not change your business, but adjust and like you can adjust the CRM to how you want to operate things. I, I think there's a huge value in getting it initially. Uh, I'm not set on that, like hundred percent on my opinion, but if you're, you got a pretty specific goal, Tyler, like you need, and you're working a job right now, obviously. So you need to be efficient with your time. And that's what the purpose of the CRM is. So for me personally, like if I told you had to say yes or no, I would say yes, get it. But it's not like a uh, definitive, like you can't do it without it. Yeah. And you have to be committed to buy that CRM too. I would say for your situation, if you're doing this for 12 months, no matter what, you're committed to it, you're ready to go. Definitely get get the CRM. There's no benefit of delaying it. For people out there who haven't had a deal or aren't committed or just testing things out, I would say don't get it because it's you're buying a tool without a project really at the end of the day. Like if you don't have deals and you don't have incoming calls and you don't have all that to stay organized, the CRM is going to do you no good. Focus on actually getting mail out and doing steps one. But once you get all those deals and you're getting calls, this CRM is going to really, really help you. You can customize it for your own business as well. And in 12 months, you're going to have a perfected CRM. You're not going to need to worry about that. Like it took Ron and I years and years to build the CRM out. Like it took a lot of time just tweaking it for our business. There's no good CRMs for land business. I know there's people talk about Pebble and all that, but I've looked at that. Like it's not really specific to the land business and it doesn't fit what we're doing that great. And it's pretty disorganized in my mind, not to bash them or anything. They have their pros and cons, but it just took us a long time, Ron. And this is specific for the land investing business. So if you're serious about this, it's going to benefit you in the end. But that's really all the feedback I have, Ron. We can get into the show actually. Let's get into it. Using data to grow your land business. First, Ron, I want to talk about just choosing a market with data, period. Yeah, I mean, that's number one, like what you're going to start with after your education, once you're start uh, getting the ball rolling and you want to start, whatever it is. The first thing you need to do is choosing a market and data drives these decisions. Everything we go through, uh, go over in the course is data driven. That's what we try to make decisions on. Yeah, you need some feel and you need to understand things. But at the end of the day, those feels, that the feeling and the gut 
things about different markets are all driven by data. So whether it's days on market is an extremely important one, um, just the how much how much property is selling, you being able to analyze like, okay, this property has been on the market for 14 months, but it's overpriced by what I would think by 50% or something like that. Is that really a good data point? So you got to not only use the data given, you got to know what data to get rid of and what data is not important for making your decisions. Um, Daniel's done a ton of our, I'm interested to hear, hear what you say, Daniel. I think a lot of you do it, you do it is kind of the data, the days on market is a huge thing when you choose markets. Um, but I'd love to hear kind of your opinion on that. Yeah, the the biggest thing that Ron and I pushed is just choosing the correct data. I was going through someone someone's pricing template the other day, actually, in person, Ron, and just seeing some of the data that they were using. I was pulling up those comps and looking individually in them, and some of them were just like waterfront properties. Some of them weren't listed properly. Some of them had a satellite picture and were landlocked. You have to dive into individual comps. That's what sets this business apart. That is the biggest obstacle in this business is pricing. And why is it the biggest obstacle? Because the lack of data, one, and the unorganized data, two. If we're talking about houses, Ron, say Cincinnati, Ohio, in 45205 or something, we can pull 45205, we can put a tiny quarter mile radius on it and pull anything with three bedrooms, two baths, between 1,250 square feet and... 1500 square feet and we'll get you know 20 30 40 data points that all sold within a year when you're talking about land run we might not have a comp for 10 miles for 20 miles like that is realistic the limited data in this is what makes it sustainable it's hard for realtors it's hard for people to know the value of land and it makes us very very specialized so you have to understand what's good data you've got to put weight on your data points you have to put weight on them you might have one three miles away that's right near you in the same shape same size for four acres and you're comparing to four acres, you might have stuff right there. You have to put weight on your data points, Ron. I think that's the biggest thing. If you have a waterfront or a nice creek or some attributes, put less weight on it, right? It's better, there's attributes on it. If you have a very average piece of land that was listed, it sold quickly, it's in the area, whatever, you gotta put more weight on those. I think that's one of the biggest things to sum it up, Ron, is just being able to put weight on your data points. Yeah, without a doubt. And going back into the choosing a market part, uh, when you're choosing a market, you got to also think about the data, how much, and it's kind of a, uh, not an opinion thing, but it's kind of like a knowledge, a local knowledge thing. Like how much of your, how many of your offers are going to be to land that you actually want? Um, so if you're mailing central Florida, which is a swamp, a good portion, 50 to 60% of your offers are going to be going to things that are a swamp, that aren't going to be buildable. They're not going to be usable. So you got to think about that when you're choosing a market as well. If you're sending to the middle of West Virginia, a good amount of your comps are going to be too sloped for things, or Eastern Ohio, um, a good amount of your comps are going to be for things that are too sloped, that you're not going to be built on. It's extremely rural, and you'll see streets on streets on streets of land that has nothing built on it because of the extreme slope. So you gotta know the type of markets you're going in versus if you're in Western North Carolina, if you're around the Asheville, whatever it is, things are built on slopes in there. I'm not saying it's not done in West Virginia and Ohio, but it's a less desirable area, which means people are willing to spend less money to develop the land for it to be buildable. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And guys, if you guys are getting anything from this, please copy and paste this to a friend. Share this episode with a friend. It really, really helps push our mission, Ron, and just reach more people. So if you guys are getting value, we keep this free. We keep it ad-free. So please share this with someone if you could for us. But Ron, I wanted to get into the pricing and buying decision based on your data to grow your land business. Yeah, so I think you kind of got into the pricing aspect, Dan, as far as um, you need to know what data points to use, what data points not to use. If you start using waterfront properties, properties with uh, giant ponds, uh, properties with improvements, whether it's got a barn or something like that, if you start using those data points to price, you are going to way overprice things without a doubt. I've seen it happen so many times. You need to know what data to throw out. You cannot just look at the front page on Zillow or Redfin or whatever it is, see one picture and it doesn't have a barn. You need to actually go in and read descriptions. One might say it has a driveway and it's got a septic and well, that is a huge improvement. If you use all those data points, you're going to be making offers on properties without those improvements and then you're going to offer at 70% or something like that. So that in terms of pricing to sum it up is the most important point. You need to find average land like Daniel said before. You cannot find defected land. You're going to underprice. You cannot use uh you cannot use crazy good land. You're going to overprice. Exactly. And what you want to do, guys, you want to have all the data so you can export all the data from whatever, Zillow, Realtor.com, Redfin, whatever you're doing, get all the MLS data points, go through them, delete the outliers, come up with your averages. And then what you want to do, you want to go into Zillow or whatever your source is, look at individual comps, pull up all those comps, see how long they're taking to list, see what your average looks like compared to what your eye test looks like. If you think five acres is going to sell for 25 grand because you're looking in that area and you see a couple data points that really show that average land is selling for that. We listed it, we sold it, it was pending in a week. This person listed it as pending in a week and then it sold for 25 grand and you see a few data points like that. Make sure your data points to that too. If not, you have to adjust it. You really want to use your data as a whole and then your eye test and just go into individual comps and see how long they're taking. Maybe a comp, maybe five acres was listed, sold for 21 grand, but they listed it for 18 grand. They underpriced it. It sold in a day. You can see things like that and you're like, okay, that sold in a day. They definitely underpriced that. It sold above asking price. These others are showing it should be around 25 grand. So you have to put things like that into consideration. And that's what I was talking about, Ron, with the weight of comps. You have to put weight on really good comps. Yeah, I 100% I agree. And that's the the hardest part about pricing is like what we're talking about right here. Um, you also have the lack of data. So you need to make sure you make the most of the data you have. You need to get into locations and stuff like that. But what we're telling you is literally how to price mail effectively, essentially. Uh, but what about the buying decisions, Dan, as far as obviously we're using data when we are negotiating with sellers, when they call back, uh, just when we're making decisions as well. For example, like I talked about a lot of slope things, if I get a really sloped property back, I'm not going to look at flat farmland comps to see what I can sell that sloped property for. I'm going to try to find data points on sloped properties in those regions or in that area to uh, see if there's interest for one on that type of land and then what it's going to sell for. Uh, but is that how you kind of do it, Dan? I, I don't think it's not, it's not like we're pooling data to make decisions on buying, but you need to actually get into the data and see what's happening. Yeah, you want to definitely find like kind of properties. And when you find that one, so if you have five acres for 25 grand and you get five acres back and your buy price is $12,000, 
you want to find something that looks similar to that in the same area. The more similarities it has, so you're, we're talking about location, right? The similar location, similar slope, no attributes, similar land, like I said. But what you can do also, and, and that's a good weight. So you want to weight those comps with a lot of similarities, Ron, extremely high. And then what happens when you have five acres with, you know, maybe a creek and a nice pond or something on it? Oh, that sold for $37,000 in two weeks. That gives you a little confidence that those attributes added $12,000. That makes sense in my head. There's no red flags. If there would be a red flag, if $25,000 lake, you know, a little pond on it and a creek run and it sold for twenty-four dollars or $25,000, I'm like, why isn't that adding any value? So you want to make sure that all your comps are making sense. It's a lot of just adding things up in your head and making sure it all adds up and makes sense, Ron. Things are kind of connecting in that way. Yeah. And, uh, if you get, it's hard, it becomes more difficult when you find, when you get back defected land, whether it's maybe there's an easement and it's 150 feet off the road or something like that. So you need, it's some dirt road or something like that. That's when it becomes a little more difficult. The slope thing that I was talking about, uh, the decision-making is easy when there's an attribute on it. Maybe like there's a shed or something like that. It's good land, all the other comps. Like you don't have to worry about that as much. The data is saying that if there's an attribute, it's going to sell for more than what the data is saying. So you don't need to look for a like kind property with a shed. Just look for the land and then uh, you'll you'll be good on that. Uh, but when you get those defective, that's where you make the money is on those. That's how you separate yourself from everyone else in this business is with those defected properties making decisions. Not like overly defective, but maybe it's, a, I don't know, just a worse slope than a lot of different things in the area the big part of that, Dano, is kind of driving your decision-making, I think, for negotiating down as well. I think using that data to negotiate down is really important instead of just throwing the deal away. Exactly. And just analyzing things from your worst-case scenario, I like to do that, especially with defected land. Like You have to be very careful. We always say good land sells. It sells fast and it sells for a lot of money. Good land does sell. As soon as you add a couple of defects, Ron, like a bad easement or a thousand feet off the road and they have to go through some dirt road and the road's broken or something or whatever that defect is maybe they can't put a house on it and the defect is in an hoa that's when things like ron said get very 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 tough because your data is going to point one way but your data also doesn't have an hoa that you need a 2400 square foot house to put anything on it period so that's why it's so important like kind properties it's very, very important to really weight like-kind properties. I'd take one or two really good comps that are like, then 10 all over the place, Ron, because you just don't know what you're looking at at that point. Yeah. So I know we talked about it a little bit last episode, Dan, or probably a decent amount last episode with remailing. Like, how do we use our data to make future decisions, whether it's our pricing data, whether it's what we sold things for? Um, I want to get a little bit into that because I think it's really important having a database of results, what you've done in the past and uh, making future decisions. We've said, and we're hiring a data position right now. We've probably been talking about that for three months. Uh, it's not the easiest position to hire for. We put a lot of time and effort into getting the right person, uh, but we're closer to getting someone now. So we're excited for that. But uh, we really think data is the future of this business without a doubt. But if you want to talk a little bit about that kind of using data to drive our future decisions, Dan, using our old data. At the end of the day, data is the future of almost every business. Just having data consumer data, data on pricing in this. So it's it's reflecting on how we're pricing things, how our business operates, how we're using our money, how we're reinvesting in our business. It affects everything just like most businesses out there. And that's how we got to start looking at it. We got to kind of advance the way the land industry has, Ron, has been. 
But in terms of using old data to make future decisions, like you have to look at what's working and what's not working. There has to be a way to analyze what you sent out, whether it's you're analyzing your return rate, your purchase agreements per mailer, your calls per mailer, your leads per mailer, whatever that is, you have to analyze the past to help make your future decisions. You might think you're doing really well in Tennessee, but you start analyzing those numbers, they might tell you something different and it might tell you that really in Colorado you crushed it and it didn't seem like it because you only sent a few thousand mailers, but you got four or five deals off those mailers versus Tennessee, I sent 22,000 to get that, like looking at things, comparing them, seeing what's working, seeing what's not working and your response rate and your leads. You can get so detailed with this, Ron. The sky's the limit. I'm six months from today, Ron, we're going to have a completely different answer because we're going to have a professional analyst on our team. But like, I just, I see the endless opportunities here. Yeah. And I think, um, really big decisions are going to be made with data in our business and in your guys' business. If you make that jump without a doubt, uh, and it will, it's going to tell you when to hire people. Like it's going to tell you, like I can do this with this much mail. I know I'm going to need another person. I know I can pay for this person if I up this mail to X and uh, I'm going to scale. Like it's really easy. It's really, we talked about the input and outputs in I think our goals, Daniel, I think if you're sending 10,000 mailers, a month and you're you want to go deeper into it like what area you're making the money and stuff like that but if you go up to 20,000 mailers a month in that area uh if as long as you have the people in place the systems in place you're going to double your revenue you're going to be able to hire out you're going to be able to scale so data is going to drive data is going to drive your scalability if you're doing the right things without a doubt i completely agree ron i don't have much more to add yeah i think that was really good i th start thinking about this if you're brand new it's not something to go crazy about or anything like that or get overwhelmed about it is a huge thing just keeping your excel so you have that knowing having some sort of thing to keep track of what's going on but it does not have to be over the top at first no and if it's like at first worry about one thing it's getting your mail out consistently and vetting all your leads and trying to get things under contract and buying properties and listing them properly once you have all that we can start looking at data but there is no point to at first you got to get your business and your operations down first ron but as always, guys, thank you for joining. If you have already not, please leave a review on our Apple podcast. It really helps our business grow. And Ron and I really, really appreciate that. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you guys next episode. Thanks, guys.